Thanks for joining us at First Baptist of Woodlawn. Our mission at Woodlawn is to grow, serve, and reach others together. Our vision at Woodlawn is to impact our regional communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ through small groups, corporate worship and missions, and evangelism. Now, today's sermon. I have I had a wonderful, I'm having a wonderful day. Very much blessed day since the very beginning. I slept very well. And uh, Alan asked me how I had slept last night. And I said, I don't know, I didn't feel anything. <laughs> so it's been great since the very early in the morning. Great breakfast. I just missed my black beans, but. <laughs> and uh, excellent time with Alan at the fields. It's, it's amazing how you make the harvest of the corn here. Much different than watermelon. Much, much different. We do it all by hand. Everything by hand. And, um, and Alan, the, the, what I was looking for it was the plow. The word plow, you, you mentioned it this way. And, um, and you do it, you said you do it by uh, satellites. In Guatemala, many people don't even know what satellite is. And at least they don't know that they, it works the way it works here. It's, uh, that's why we have uh, good, good drivers in Guatemala, by the way. <laughs> I said, your pastor drives like a Guatemalan driver. <laughs> People who has been in Guatemala know what I meant. <laughs> and I'm um, talking about, about getting God exceeding our expectations and His blessings are always more than we ask, more than we think. It comes from the reflection of our own lives. I remember when I came to God, uh, all I ask God is, God, please take away from me the alcoholism, the drug addiction I had. It's all I ask. And he did. But he didn't do only that. He has given me so many blessings that I never thought I, I was going to have them. But as I started Walking with the Lord, I have been discovered all those blessings. And it's the way that, that God does it with anyone who wants to walk with Him. The only way we may discover God's blessing is by walking with Him every day. And His blessings are new every day. And God, He, he really is pleased in blessing us. He doesn't have to. I always said, if God is not giving me any more blessings in, in the future, it's, it's enough for what he has done on the cross for all of us. That's, that's enough. But he always is blessing us even more. And I praise his name for that. And yesterday I shared about more from a personal perspective from what that does for every one of us as individuals. But now I want to share what God does with His church. And it's His church. Church belongs to Him. We were bought 
by the blood of Christ. And we belong to him. And, and we as church, we need to be focused on what God wants for his church. Not of what we want for our church. We need to understand that God is the king of the church. He's the lord of the church. He's the owner of the church. And we belong to him. And thank God for that. Um, please open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to start on verse 41 through 47. Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. It says, Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their positions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Many, many churches today wants to be successful churches, want to experience success in their lives. And uh, many of them look up to other churches that are experiencing success and try to copy whatever they're doing to have success. In fact, there is a subject in seminars now that it wasn't before. I don't know, I believe here in America too, it's uh, church growing or church growth or something like that, that study churches all over the world who have grown so and to see what, are, what they have done to do it. But many churches, churches have lost the meaning of success, the concept of success. Many, many churches believe being a successful church means to have many people in their services. And they are more focused in events to draw people to church instead of discipling people to be Christ-like. Many others believe that successful, successful means having a lot of possessions, a lot of facilities, nice facilities. Others believe that being a successful church means to be popular among people. But if we need to look what a successful church is, we need to come to the scriptures and see the early church. That was a successful church. And a successful church is a church that is obedient to God and a church that lives the life that God wants us to live as church. Being obedient to him, be, being obedient to Christ's teachings in order to live the kind of life God wants us to live. And this is the church in the New Testament. 
And the first thing I want to look at it, what a successful church is, is, is it genuine church? Is it true church? Made of truly converted people. And you say, are not all the people in church converted? No. Sometimes people think they are saved. Especially people who have come to church all his life. But you know what? Salvation is not an inheritance. It is a personal experience. Anyone who is saved has to know Christ personally. Not because he has come to church all his life or have Christian parents, Christian family. Uh, I know a person who said that sometimes his cousin says, I'm not a Christian, but I want to take my cousin Otto from his feet so he can take me to heaven. And that's that, nothing going to happen. Only Christ takes you to heaven. Only faith on him saves us. The early church, the scripture shows us it's a genuine church, a true church. And verse 41 says, says, those who accepted his message. You know that the first thing a genuine church has to have is a true message of the gospel of Christ. You know there is a lot of false teaching all around the world these days. That, that many so-called preachers are not preaching the truth from the Bible. But it, they are preaching whatever makes people feel good. And let me tell you, the true gospel doesn't make people feel good. What was this true message? Let's go back to verses 36 and 37. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were caught to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Can you imagine that that measure was nice and popular to the Jews in those days? You killed Jesus Christ. And the one who you killed is the Lord. Is the Son of God. Is the Messiah. Is the Christ. And you killed him. Many messages today are saying, oh, you're not too bad. The only thing you need to add to your life is Christ. Presenting Christ as, as a small thing. As something like an ornament that people need to add to all the good things they have in life. Let me tell you something. Before Jesus, we had nothing good in us. Bible says that he came to cleanse us from all sins. And he is the only one who can do his, his holy blood 
is the only blood that can give us a clean life before God. We have nothing good before Him. And people don't like to hear that. The message, the true message of the gospel of Christ is offensive to men because it has to take down entirely their pride that every man has. These 3,000 people accepted the message of Christ and they were worried about themselves. What shall we do? What can we do? If we read the chapter 2 of uh, of, the, of the Acts, we will find there the message that Peter delivered to the people based on the Old Testament, based on the scriptures. And he showed the people, he demonstrated the people there that Jesus was Christ. That's why they were so worried. You see, amazing grace, that wonderful hymn, says that grace made me feel fear. And also, took my fear away. You see, it, it seems like a contradiction, but it's not. Because we have to come to Jesus trembling in fear, asking him for forgiveness. But when we receive his forgiveness, we experience joy. Because we know what kind of forgiveness we have received from him. When we come before God, the true gospel shows us that we, we have to submit our lives before him saying, you can do with us whatever you want. You can even condemn me if you want because I do not deserve being saved. And when Jesus sees a heart like that, then forgiveness comes to our life. I mean, nobody goes to heaven if this person thinks I deserve heaven. Heaven is a free gift of God through Jesus Christ to all people who say to God, God, I deserve hell. You are the only one who can forgive me. You are the only one who can save me. That's the true message of the gospel. And people need to accept that message. You know, some, some people is preaching the, the, the gospel and they go very well, very, very quick to open your heart to Jesus. Receive Jesus in your heart. You know what? They're not talking about repentance. And a heart that is not being repented don't want Jesus. They pretend to want Jesus, but they don't. Jesus cannot come to a heart that has not been cleaned by his blood. And that blood only can clean a heart that shows repentance before, before him. So that was the message of the true gospel. And this is a message also of faith. And faith here is shown by the baptism. And I will say that baptism is a demonstration of obedience. Because faith and obedience goes together. A person of faith is obedient to the Lord. And that's also something that is being preached wrongly today. 
You can live as a child of a devil on earth, but you have made the profession of faith, you will go to heaven. Don't worry about it. There will be a lot of surprises. I had a, a friend, a Christian friend from Indiana. He's a carpenter. He, came, he had come to Guatemala several years uh, in mission trips. And um, he told me that when he was nine, he made a profession of faith. He was baptized when he was 12. At the age of 14 or 15 years, he went away. And he was coming to church once in a while. And he became a Christian, a truly Christian, until the age of 36. And I asked him, what had happened to you that you had died between 14 and 36? He said, I had gone to hell. But the worst thing is this. I had gone to hell thinking I was going to heaven. And there is, there is many people like that. And faith and obedience goes together. And a true repentance brings you to, to faith. The faith in Jesus. That's what saves you. And, and you know, repentance and faith it shows a change in people's life. Somebody says, don't tell me how much you cry in repentance. Tell me how much you have changed. Anyone can cry in an emotional moment. But the only true people who is really repented and have faith in Christ wants to walk with Him. That doesn't mean we are perfect. That doesn't mean we do all things rightly. But that means that we have a new relationship with God and that brings us also to a new relationship with things. That's what Paul Washington says, right? When the person comes to him and tells him, I have a new relationship with Christ, he asks him, how is your relationship with sin now? Because when the Holy Spirit comes to our heart, any sin, the smallest thing, can I say that? The smallest thing bothers us. The Holy Spirit convicts us for repentance. That's why repentance is nothing that we do once and forever. We do it every day. Because the Holy Spirit calls us to come before God and say, God, forgive me. I need your forgiveness. It's something that we, we really feel in our heart that we cannot live. That's why we cannot live fighting to a brother and to a sister. Because the Holy Spirit brings us to reconciliation and not forgiveness for our sins. So, and also, a, a union church is a church made of people who want to be together. It says that 3,000 were added to their number that day. By the way, 3,000 accepted the message, 3,000 were baptized. I don't know if only the 12 apostles were ordained to baptize the people. 
How many people you need to baptize? 3,000 people. Pastor, will you baptize 3,000 people? <laughs> Dustin, can I help you? Maybe the two of you can do it. Maybe the 120 baptized them. Maybe, we don't know. But you, you know, sometimes we are used to do things in church that are not in the scriptures. Sometimes we do it just because we got used to do it. We need to come to the scriptures and see what God wants us to do. And I, I, I didn't come here to this Bible to change all you do, you do. But what I want to tell you is always follow the scriptures and do what the scriptures mean. If, if someone wants to be baptized today, Pastor, can we do it? Or tomorrow, or this Sunday, the following Sunday. But baptism also is, is something that we don't force people to do. But a person who is truly a Christian is going to ask for his baptism and to be added to the church. I know some people who say, I have a good relationship with God, but I want nothing to do with the new church. It's like saying, Pastor Otto, I love you, I respect you, but I hate your wife. You see, church is the visible relationship with God. Every true Christian, not only wants, but needs to be part of a church. Because God has called us to be together as brothers and sisters. To do His will. I mean, God is not seeing Christian class, the Lone Ranger. Well, the Lone Ranger had Toro, Tonto, right? We, we call him Toro because Tonto in Spanish means bull. <laughs> we better call him Toro. Toro means bull. I don't know what's worse. But, <laughs> but the Lone Ranger has, he also had a helper. Well, he, he also had his, his horse. <laughs> he wasn't alone. <laughs> Christ wants us to be together. And we know it's not easy. Somebody said it's easier to be a shepherd of sheep than a shepherd of men. Because sheep are more obedient. But, you know, some people are looking for, for the perfect church. And the only perfect church had to be made of perfect people. Which means there is no perfect church. Because there is no perfect people. And if you ever find a perfect church, don't get into it. You will ruin it. So, but God wants us to be together. And some, some people even say, how come there is problems in church? Church must be a place of love. But that doesn't mean there is no problems at all. If you read the letters that Paul wrote to the churches in the New Testament, I don't know if Pastor Carlton 
I don't know if you want to have a, a, a church like the church in Corinth. All the churches had problems. Even, even good churches. You see uh, the church in, in Philippos, the, the Philippians. That was a good church. But they had problems. And Paul mentioned it, even names that were having problems within them. So, but a person who truly has received the message of Christ, who's really a Christian, who really wants to be, wants to be part of, of a true Christian, a true church, really wants to be with his brothers and sisters no matter what. If any person have reasons to leave the church, you know who that people is? Pastors. Yeah. Because we had to face some problems. We had to hear problems from people. That only the grace of God. Help us. In helping others. To come over it. And we praise God. For that. So. Uh, the church that God blesses first. I said. Is a genuine church. A true church. And also. The second thing is. A devoted church. In Spanish, uh, we use the, the, the word perseverant church. A church that perseveres. That means that it's there all the time. That it's practicing certain things all the time. And it perseveres. Verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Four things. They were persevering on. First, the base of every healthy church. The word of God. The teaching of the apostles. And we don't have them anymore. But we have their teachings here. In the Bible. And the teaching of the apostles was the teaching of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ told them, teach the other disciples what I have taught you. So, every teaching of a true church, of a blessed church, comes from the Bible. I remember this teaching from my very first pastor. He told me this. He said, Otto, when somebody wants to teach you something about God, ask him chapter and verse from the Bible. Where does the Bible say it? And it doesn't matter how it sounds and how it makes you feel. If it is not from the Bible, it is not from God. And you know, there are many false teachings. I told you yesterday, I used to be a Catholic. And as a Catholic, we were taught that whatever the priest said, it comes from God. We never read the Bible. We never discussed anything. We never even had a Bible at home. Oh, yeah, by the way, my, my dad bought a Bible, a big Bible, huge Bible. It was so expensive that we didn't, we didn't want to touch it. It was like a piece of decoration in our home. 
And uh, but now, even in some so-called Christian evangelical churches, there are pastors who are teaching false teaching. And people are acting the same way that the way we acted as Catholics. If the pastor said it, it must be true. Because he's the man of God. You know what I say to my people? Do not believe what I say only because I am saying it. Go to the Bible and check it out. Because the Bible is the authority. And a pastor told me once, but what are you, you are doing in saying that you are losing confidence of your people. I say you're wrong. When people go to the Bible and they find out that what I'm teaching comes from the Bible, they trust me even more. But I'm never going to take the place that the Bible has. The Bible is the authority in every teaching of a true church. And, and we need to be very careful with that. You know, the church that I'm pastoring, my people, they are not believing whatever they see on TV. In fact, uh, we have a, a Hispanic channel uh, based in Costa Rica. His name is Enlace. He's as good as TBN. He's as bad as TBN. So people say, well, there are some preachers that are not too good. I said, no, most of the preachers are not good there. Be careful what you hear. Don't get impressed with the way they were, with the way they talk. Study them with the Bible in your hand. The most popular preacher in Guatemala is named Cash Luna. And uh, he's from Cuatepeque, by the way. So, and he's about my age. And this person is teaching for the pulpit that we are Jehovah Juniors. We are from the same essence of God. We are little gods. And the scripture that he takes to teach that, it comes from the same passage that the Mormons use to say the false teaching too. And people in my country say that the Mormons are a cult. But they are receiving the teaching of Kashuna just because he is in a so-called evangelical Christian church. So he is like, uh, let, me, let me put it this way. Take Joel Austin, Benny Hinn, put him in a blender, Kashuna will come up. Not the way he is. He came to my town only once to make a, a they don't call revivals anymore, they don't call evangelistical crusades, they call miracles and wondrous meetings. And he didn't he didn't heal he healed he didn't heal anyone anyone from our town. Every everyone that received the heal was from other places. But the person told me, no, there was one who said that he was healed by Cash Luna. And, he said, and, and what was the miracle? He said, well, he claimed that he didn't talk before. He wasn't, talk, he wasn't walking. 
He couldn't walk before. And he said, but pastor, I know him. And he could walk. He walked with difficulty. But he could walk. And how is he walking now? He's walking with difficulty. Nothing happened. You know, he made like a, a temporary healing or partial healing. I showed him on TV once. It was a person with a, uh, you say, a, a cask. A cask. And it was with a cask. He said, I was healed. Why? Because I didn't feel my feet, my, my tooth before. I feel it now. But still, his, his entire leg was bad. That's not the miracles of the New Testament. We were talking about miracles uh, tomorrow night. No, 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 don't. <laughs> don't think I'm going to heal everybody here. <laughs> but what, what bothers me even more is his teaching. His false teaching. You see, once he said, the, the way he interpreted the Bible, it's, it's offensive to the common sense of people. You see the passage when Peter came and Simon, the magician, wants to buy the Holy Spirit? And he said that Peter told Simon, your money perish with you. And you know what he said? And Peter was surprised. Why? Because Simon didn't die. His interpretation was this, that Peter has sentenced Simon to death by saying your money perish with you. And we know that that's not what the passage says. And people is believing in him. Please. Please. Keep under the teaching of the apostles' teaching. The teaching of the Bible. The teaching of the New Testament. Because that's other thing. There are many churches now that are more focused on the Old Testament than on the New Testament. And in Guatemala, it's very popular, the, the teaching of the apostles. We have apostles in Guatemala. I think, I don't know if we started first or you started first in America. I don't know if you have, you have apostles here in the States. No? You don't have modern apostles in the States? We have them in Guatemala. I'm not sending anyone to you. But they call this, they call to themselves the same or even more authority than the scriptures. And the one who started in Guatemala with this teaching, he created many false doctrines, taking text out of the context. He believes, he believes in the doctrine of the pre-existence of people. That we existed before in heaven. Before coming to earth. And that's wrong. But that makes people very popular. Made that man very popular. So. We need to stay on what the Bible teaches. And study the Bible. By being a, a blessed church by God, by God. Also. Say they were devoted themselves to the fellowship. To the fellowship. They love to be together. Not only 
in official church meetings, not only in church services. They were not only brothers and sisters in Christ, they were also friends. And it is a very good thing when the church meets together, when people from church meet together in homes, not for to follow a program of the church, which is good also, but maybe as an informal meeting. Why not inviting each other to take a good cup of watermelon coffee to your homes or go out and have dinner, families together? Most of the people only invite the pastors. That's good too. Keep doing that. But what about inviting each other to go out and do something as family, as friends? It's good to be together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And remember this, we are brothers and sisters in Christ everywhere, not only in church, not only here. Fellowship. Fellowship is doing what Jesus did with his apostles, with his disciples, talking about different things in life. And when you talk about different things in life, I'm not saying that we're taking God out of the picture. In fact, as brothers and sisters, anything we talk, we will see God in there. My, my girl, my little girl, Abby, sent me a picture today of a, a flower. And she said that the Creator made those beautiful things. I was talking today with Alan about the marvelous things technology is. But we need to recognize everything comes from the Lord. It's the Lord who gives wisdom and intelligence to men in order to do whatever we see. Some men do not recognize that. They believe it comes from themselves, from themselves. But no, everything comes from God. You see, that huge structure that I step on it today. It was made by a man, by God who gave him the intelligence to do it. Because all belongs to the Lord and all must be used for his glory. So when we are together, we need to share about that. And we can see God everywhere. In all things. We were watching this afternoon, the, the sunset, the view we have on heaven. On, on sky, I mean, it's beautiful. I had this experience once when I was coming in Chicago. Uh, we were landing on O'Hare Airport, and we were coming through the clouds. And I looked at the sun and why about the sunset? And when I looked at it, I started praising God. I, I don't know if people thought I was crazy. Because I was praising God, thank you, God, you made it all. I started crying. Giving all the glory to God. You see, we take many things by granted. But we can see God did all for his glory. And to give us blessings. When we see our family, 
It's a blessing. It's a blessing from God. When we see our children, and when we see our brothers and sisters in Christ in church, all of you are a blessing from God. And we need to love each other. Tomorrow we'll talk more, more about it too. Fellowship. God wants you to have fellowship as brothers and sisters in Christ. Then breaking of bread. All the theologians, most of the theologians agree this refers to supper or the Lord's Supper. I don't know how you call it here. But it's supper. It means supper. Not dinner. Right? But I feel remembrance of Christ's love for us. When we break the bread in church, that remembers, makes us remember us how much God loves us. If anyone wants to know the love of God, look up the cross. That's the highest demonstration of God's love. The best of God and the worst of men came together on the cross. And God had the victory there. Because in doing that, we were forgiven of all sins. And don't take the, the Lord's Supper as, as a ritual. Just as something we have to make every month or every other month. Really, when we are practicing Holy Supper, Lord's Supper, always think about Jesus Christ and think about how much He loved us and He gave His life for all of us. And do it regularly. I don't know how regularly you do it here. Once a month? We do it once a month in Guadalupe. So, and always do it with, with respect, with fear, with love, and with gratitude to a God. Because, because of His sacrifice, we were bought to be children of the Lord. Anytime we do it, don't think it's just because we have to do it as a church. Really do it understanding the meaning of it. And last thing says, they were devoted themselves to prayer. They not only pray for each other, they pray with each other. It's good to, when we pray for others, but it's better when we pray with others. Prayer is something many churches have forgotten to do, are forgetting to do it. But you know, everything that we do at church, we do it in prayer. Because prayer is the, the way God has provided us to communicate with Him and to ask Him and to thank Him and to give glory for all that He is and all that He does. Praying is the base of every ministry in church. Some people think that what happens in church is the result of men's efforts. Not it's not. It's given by God, by His grace. And is 
God responding to our prayers. And, and I don't know how, because we know that God knows all we need. And God even knows what he's going to do with our prayers. And that's why some people say, why do I need to pray if God already knows what he's going to give me? My only answer is this, because God says it in his word. That come before him and pray for all. Prayer in some churches is the forgotten issue, the forgotten subject. I heard this from a missionary said that he was he didn't agree with in some mission work people think that they know so much about strategies, about the way they should do things that they don't want the Holy Spirit in it anymore. We are so good in making plans, in making goals, that we think the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with that. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit has everything to do with that. And if it's not, it's not from God. And the Holy Spirit brings us before God in prayer. Because the Holy Spirit is the presence of God in us and shows us and teaches the need we have from God that we cannot live without Him. And we can do nothing without Him. So prayer is something churches need to persevere on it. It needs to be on it at all times. You know, and when we pray, sometimes we haven't seen the answer yet, but we have peace because we know everything is in God's hands. And no matter what, God is going to do whatever he has to do, but he knows better than us what's the best for our lives. So we need to pray together and to be devoted to praying. That pleases God. And that's a blessed church. That's the church that God blesses. In, in these two parts that I share tonight, is a genuine church and it's a devoted church. And tomorrow, I'm going to end it with uh, a church of testimony. And, but for tonight, I thank you for listening to me. And may God bless you all. Let us pray. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like to know more about our relationship with Jesus or more about our church at Woodlawn, please contact us by email at info at fbcwoodlawn.org. Please join us again next week for another sermon from First Baptist of Woodlawn. Jesus, be glorified.